0: This is the Intuitive Leadership Mastery Podcast. What would it take for you to double your profits and half your stress with your intuition? Learn how with your host, Michael Light.
1: Welcome back to the show. I'm here with Emil Goliath, and we're going to be talking about intuition and your health and his amazing business empire he's created after he escaped a eh? somewhat brainwashed job which we're going to tell you about it's actually a highly sought after job but it wasn't doing it for him and he's traveled the world and uh set up a cold coaching business uh, coaching business and uh written a book and all kinds of other stuff started a nutrition supplement company as well very impressive so welcome emil
0: thank you so much for having me on the show
1: and that very flattering introduction i'll take that Now, I hear an accent there. It sounds like you might be from Serbia. (laughs) If you can detect that accent, then I will. that's impressive. I was going to say it sounds like you're from England, but. um, Yeah. No, I was born in Serbia.
0: I came over to the UK when I was two, so 30 years Mm. ago now. Um, 30 years ago? Wow. But actually lived in Wales most of my life. (laughs) Wales? Wales, So, Serbia to Wales. If you can detect the Welsh accents, I mean, a cider or two and it'll come out.
1: Mm. Well, you escaped just as they were cranking up on that ex-Yugoslavia breakup war.
0: Yeah, it was just it was a coincidence, actually. Uh, My dad came to work as a doctor in the UK. Um, We kind of came over with him. And then a year or so later, all hell
1: broke loose. Well, it must have been your family's great peacekeeping influence was then diminished. yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we, we elected not to return at that point. I could understand that. I, I just visited Serbia and all those other Balkan countries. And it, it was quite, there was a lot of energy there of upset and, you know, tragedy intermingled with people being happy and it being a nice environment. Very
0: beautiful countries, but
1: yeah, um, Yes, lots of issues. Yes, beautiful countries, shame about some of the politicians. Yeah, yeah. Well, that could be said of many countries, I think. Yes, I try
0: and avoid all of that in general. It's uh, yes. bliss ignorance.
1: Yes, we'll talk about you, how you manage to avoid knowing what's going on in the world and, and a bit later. So it's, uh, I think that's an important thing to be in touch with the intuition, not consume too much negative news. Um, do you find you feel the the energy when you go back to visit a place like Serbia or anywhere else you've been to?
0: I I don't think so, to be honest. I I mean, I was recently in Berlin and mm. literally on landing, I was like, I like this place.
1: Mm.
0: And my girlfriend kind of said, um, you can't, we've been on one street, you know, there's nothing you, There's nothing you could possibly have discovered. Uh, and I was like, no, 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 I, I'm, I like it. And then after the week that we were there, it was an amazing place and obviously crazy stuff has happened in berlin i definitely got positive vibes um and same with with serbia and croatia places i've been to uh as well no real negatives just Mm. just the good vibes maybe it's my filter
1: Mm. yes you've got the rose-colored filter turned. yeah 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 good thing to do um, well I, I like berlin too but i have to tell you i visited the uh, gestapo museum where the headquarters used to be where they took thousands of people into the cellars and did somewhat unkind things to them and there was definitely some heavy energy there for me oh for
0: sure i can know i can imagine that to be fair i didn't do any of the uh any of the war tours or anything like that yeah um, but yeah i can imagine i went to a, a i think in the the imperial war museum in london and there was a a holocaust Mm. exhibition at the time and yeah that was that was heavy Mm. that was uh yeah very interesting
1: yeah i went to visit that museum to investigate what my grandfather got up to in the first world war and uh after about two or three hours of wandering around all their exhibits i was like a mess (laughs) Mm. crying and shaking and upset i mean just a mat. you know they had some models of tr- what trenches were actually like it didn't look and of course they didn't have the smell because like you know you have a few rotting bodies and rats and what have yeah. you it's pretty disgusting yeah um, so just the mud alone is pretty disgusting oh um, totally unimaginable you know and i, and I, a I don't different think, worlds. i don't i'm not convinced they had flush toilets in those trenches you
0: know? no i think that would have uh mingled in with all the rest of the smells yeah. So, and that's not good for health, I don't think. No, I mean, that's, the, you know, the the kind of the things that we get up to in the modern world to kind of optimize our health mm. have come about in the last, I mean, 30, 40, 50 years. It's mm. sort of very much a first world uh, problem or whatever.
1: How do you mean it's a first world problem? Don't Aren't people in quotes the third world, if that still exists, the developing world, whatever we want to call it? aren't they concerned about health? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I suppose it's, you know, we've had this amazing period of peace over the last, however many years, you know, increasing prosperity and everything else. And people are and the kind of the globalization and people are getting exposed to more and more health optimization techniques. Um, And I, Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. I I certainly think that there's more of a health divide uh, Mm -hmm. appearing as we kind of go forward. Uh, Really? Yeah, I'd say so. Between whom and who? So even within the first world, um, Mm. you know, with kind of the increasing uh, obesity and chronic health epidemic, which is kind of happening on one side, and then this kind of like... uh, cohorts of people who are doing everything they can you know biohacking whatever else spending thousands tens of thousands of dollars to you know get those extra few percent in their health and you know as technology increases there's going to be more and more you know intervention technological intervention medical intervention and the people who have the resources and the will will be harnessing and taking advantage of those so i mean that's that's coming for sure
1: I think that we already are harnessing and taking advantage of those. Don't you do a bit of biohacking? I think I saw an aura ring on that finger you were waving around. Yeah, I thought I did.
0: Yeah, How's for about sure. That ring.
1: What is that hacking your uh, something?
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I love I love all this kind of stuff. And you know what? If I was, you know, worrying about war or uh, famine or, or all these, like, things that have happened in the past, then I wouldn't be messing around with a, you know, $400 ring you know tracking how many hours and minutes I've had REM sleep you know so we've kind of got this privileged kind of time where we can focus on these uh, on these things but yeah no the uh, the aura ring is is a nice little gadget I kind of like it uh, I recommend it to most of my clients It uh uses various parameters including heart rate, heart rate variability, body temperature, breathing rates to give us a reading of our sleep basically um so it, it's like
1: us. a fitbit on steroids to it's, make yeah, a it's,
0: metaphor well exactly i mean it, i i don't i'm not a huge fan of watches uh to be honest so the ring when it came out it was kind of the uh, the best sleep tracker out there and that that was enough for me i thought i'd uh do some research check it out and yeah i mean fundamentally we know what helps with sleep and we've had extensive discussions about this, you know, on the DC forum and various and at events, but also we know the things that we need to do. The ring isn't going to change what we need to do, but it might help some people. It might prompt some people to implement these things when they realize that their sleep is suboptimal or inadequate.
1: Mm. So it's not like that uh, wrist device we saw, I forget the name of it, but it would send an electric shock to you if you were naughty. The Pavlov. You've got show us that what's it called the, pa- the pavlock Pavlock. i've got to put yeah, this in. i'll yeah. put these in the show notes or a ring of pavlock can you show the pavlock oh look it's got a little lightning bolt on it so this so is so it the has a little can you show the inside of it is there like a little electric yeah so like this is kind the of,
0: battery pack yeah on and it. that's on your skin and yes. then when you when you're naughty it's
1: so if you're not following the habits that you said you were going to do, it's a bit like that old thing with the rubber band where you twang yourself, but this is a bit yeah. more um, extreme, a bit more automated.
0: Yeah. Um, I haven't, I'll be honest. I haven't uh, explored it fully. Again, I'm not a huge fan of watches, so I don't think it's going to work hugely well for me, but again, I'm doing kind of research for for my clients and seeing if it's something that uh, I can use to kind of optimize
1: and improve my methods basically for what I'm trying to mm. achieve with, with people. Well I'd I'd love to hear where if you've improved a habit that was uh, tricky to improve.
0: So um, as I said, I've I've not I'm I'm still experimenting with it. I'm still playing. I know. Um, after you've after you've played. I will let you know, I'll update you.
1: I'd lo- love to hear that. Um it all sounds a bit negative. I mean it sounds a bit kind of pain based versus love-based, but, you know, I know some people respond to pain better than love. So
0: Yeah, I mean I think with habits you kind of have to break the Mm. Break the pattern, break the automation, mm-hmm. um, break the cycle. And if mm. that provides sufficient stimulus to even just to remind mm. you that you're automatically going to do something, then you can mm-hmm. make the conscious decision mm. to change it and to to follow a different path. Um, mm. It's a sound theory, in my view, whether it actually works in reality we'll debate. find out
1: we will find out it sounds similar yeah. to those habit tracking sites where you pledge a hundred dollars to some charitable or political cause that you hate and yes. if you if you break the habit chain you have to donate some money to whoever you know whichever politician you most love um yeah which yeah, yeah, i'm sure that the first time you slip up and you know money's going to whoever that politician is or charity calls you know like, uh, I'll give you some examples. Some people who don't like guns might sign up to give money to the National Rifle Association in the United States because, you know, they have judgments about the NRA thinking it's evil or something. Um, yeah. Or, or if you're a uh, Second Amendment gun-toting whatever and you're trying to change some other habit, then maybe you give it to some left-wing cause that really doesn't do it for you. So... yeah.
0: I I think the monetary aspect does help people uh, change habits. It gives more of an incentive. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the theory is to make sort of not changing more painful than changing. So it becomes a no brainer, as it were.
1: Mm -hmm. But I just want to come back to this health divide in society that you mentioned, because it almost makes you think that if this went on for long enough, through many generations, there would be an evolution to the sedentary couch potato TV watching, you know, diabetes ridden, you know, short lived homo plumber lettuce for being plump versus homo biohack longevity would be long and thin and muscular and live for thousands of years.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, with AI, Doing what it's doing um, and going where it's going, then there's quite a large likelihood of a lot of jobs being automated, which will kind of catalyze that kind of process. And I don't want to, you know, I I don't want to get involved in the politics of it or anything like that. I'm just kind of like, you know, taking responsibility myself for the changes that are happening in the world that I'm observing and ensuring that I'm on the right side of them Um, and anyone who I can help then I will help uh, as well Um, but yeah it's a a very deep and complicated issue Mm. Um, But as we'll go on to discuss later I try to avoid the deep and complicated issues
1: well when it comes to to wealth There's definitely political parties that think if you're wealthy, you should pass it on to your kids and keep your own wealth. And there are other people who think you should take the wealth away from the people who have more of it and just redistribute it. And then recently in the United Kingdom, there's been a move to say if you spend money to make your kids more educated at a private school, that needs to stop. And we should take away that extra education and redistribute the resources to try to share out the, the learning and wisdom you know, amongst the people who are, you know, maybe less learned. Do you, do you think in the future maybe there will be a move to grab health units from people who are super healthy, biohacked and redistributed to the couch potato tribe? Well,
0: I mean, you know, particularly in the UK, health is relatively, at least theoretically, everyone has access to healthcare. It's all free, you know. And, and I would, would the,
1: I would, I would interrupt that sentence if that's okay. To case, say, yes. everyone in the United Kingdom has access to sick care. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's a whole uh. different can of worms for sure, for sure. In in the doctors, not you. I'm going to accept you because I think you actually want people to be healthy, right? And help them change their habits regarding health yes. and make them healthier and and prevent disease. But unfortunately, the way the health system's set up in most countries, the focus is on managing chronic sickness and not actually preventing it yeah
0: well I mean yeah definitely a hundred percent so I, th- I mean i I can't, I can't remember the exact numbers but I think seventy percent of m- modern ailments are related to lifestyle um, and sef-
1: seventy seven zero percent so if someone here is listening has some ailment chances are that it's lifestyle related
0: i I would say that
1: Uh, lifestyle
0: could improve it improve the symptoms significantly or it's been caused by uh, lifestyle in the past uh, poor lifestyle in the past wow Um, yeah
1: definitely that's amazing so let's bring this into intuition if if uh, a lot of disease is preventable Can you intuit when you're, you're, you know, before you get really sick, can you tell that, like, something's a bit off here, I need to change something? It's sort of like you're driving a car, and can you have a GPS that's your intuition that tells you you need to turn here instead of getting off track?
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, In theory, you can intuitively steer yourself in the right direction however uh i suppose going on the car analogy if the gps was in the boots and you were playing really really loud music and their car was full of seven people talking at you then that's the modern lifestyle Uh, so the chance of you seeing the gps or hearing the gps is almost non-existent Uh, people Mm -hmm. are so stressed tired uh out of the loop bombarded by marketing that they They can't hear what their body is saying, so although intuitive health is the optimal and what I strive towards uh it's not a realistic starting point, and it's I, yeah yeah it, it's a, it's not a realistic starting point there needs to be something else to get people to a level where they can start to to feel
1: their health mm. so you have to kick one of the seven people out of the car to start with. Or all seven. <coughs> all seven. And put the, to- the Tom in the front. You put the GPS unit. TomTom's a brand of GPS in the UK, I think, just for our American listeners.
0: our Apologies. Google Maps.
1: Yes. And and you turn down the rock music, if not turn it off. Exactly. Um, and that's what that's about, the only way. What about the monkey mind? Do you have to get the monkeys out of your head as well? Or?
0: Yeah. I mean for sure. I think that's all part of the process though, because by the time you're at a stage where you can kind of listen to yourself and and you've blocked out all of the kind of external stimuli, you you will have started to manage uh, the internal stuff as well. I don't think they can be done uh, separately. They'll, they'll, they'll happen together. If Mm. the monkey is going crazy in your head, then there's still seven people in that car for sure. They're all monkeys and they're all monkeys exactly Mm.
1: but couldn't you feed your monkey xanax or proloft or something and have it you know be less of a problem wouldn't that
0: i think the uh the pharmaceutical route will numb the entire mind um so it numbs the
1: monkeys and numbs out your intuition
0: i'd say so yeah it Mm. it numbs out Mm. even the the part where you care Mm. um and it still won't solve the environmental side. And again, mm. if you're solving the environmental sides, mm.
1: then so then instead of a car full of noisy monkeys with a GPS and drunk, you you have a car full of numbed out monkeys or drunk monkeys. If your drug of choice is alcohol, and you're yeah, driving yeah, exactly. down the road, one why drunk. you're careening into lampposts and hurting yeah. yourself?
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and in that case, even more. if even if the Tom Tom the GPS is in front of you, mm. you still can't pay any attention to it. Mm -hmm. um because everything's just numbed everything's blurry there's double vision there's Mm.
1: now i just want to give a radical thought to people listening because most listeners have a business they're entrepreneurs and they may be like well michaela this health thing's very interesting and i wish my chronic migraines or health challenge or whatever their health issue was not so big but what about my business what's this got to do with running a business does the same thing apply that you, you can hear an intuitive voice about what direction to drive your business in.
0: I, I mean, first off your health is your business without good health. Then your business is not sustainable. You can't continue to grow. You can't enjoy the business. Cause let's be honest. That's one of the reasons a lot of people get into businesses for freedom for, uh, you know, the choice of to do what they kind of want to do, go in the direction, have no boss, whatever else. Uh, so, without good health, one, you're not going to be optimal within your business, and two, you're not going to be able to enjoy it. Um, and by then, by optimizing your health, you're going to perform much better in the business, and therefore, arguably, I have no data for this, but arguably, be able to make better decisions in the business, and uh, yeah, perhaps get better intuition within your business as well. Certainly, if you're super stressed, super tired and fueling yourself on fast foods, then I kind of, uh, compare that to just going into tunnel vision and just, Mm. you know, going up, crashing more caffeine, more sugar, more junk food, going back up again, crashing, going back up again, crashing without kind of Mm. seeing the bigger picture. Um, if you've ever heard someone kind of, you know, hustling, then that's, that's working hard and not necessarily working smart. And that mm. can become a dangerous, dangerous habit in itself where you just get used to working 18 hours a day. And you, you almost, unless you're working 18 hours a day, you can't function. Um, and not that you're getting any more done.
1: Mm. Sounds like you've been in that situation.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. I was definitely one for hustle porn, I think is the
1: <laughs> technical hustle phrase. porn, I
0: like that phrase.
1: What does that involve? What did that involve for you? It involves, you know,
0: going to bed at midnight, waking up at four AM, abusing stimulants, and being proud of it all, and being like, "Yeah, Mm. I." I, Which
1: stimulants did you abuse? uh,
0: Lots and lots of caffeine, uh, lots and lots of kind of the nootropics, huperzine. I mean that kind of stuff. The kind of the supplement side of things, but then also things Mm. like modafinil. Mm. Um, which you know, it 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 does the job. It gets you to do more, but it's mm. it's not real energy. You come crashing down, mm. super super hard afterwards. Mm. Um, but yeah, that that was kind of my
1: plus. It impedes driving the car intuitively of your business because you can't if you're zonked out on Modafinil. I'm not clear you're going to hear any intuitive mes- messages about your business.
0: I mean, arguably you 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 become hyper uh intuitive for a period of time if you don't become scatty but mm. then after that you beca- you totally crash out and mm. it's not it's not real energy it's like nitrous mm. in your car i suppose you you, you mm. suddenly flying for you know a day or so but then you you come crashing down and uh, at the same See, time i, I
1: think my, my da- i haven't, I haven't ever taken modafinil, but i'm going to assume it's similar to coffee except more extreme is that yeah, ooh.
0: yeah, 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 I'd say so. More focus. So,
1: so, for me, when I take stimulants, it's like I put my foot on the gas of the car, so I am going faster, but I'm not necessarily deciding the steering quite as well. And it's a little harder to pay attention to the GPS when you're doing 120 miles an hour down the street,
0: yeah. You know what, for sure, I can see that. I suppose if people were to say, uh, you know, I, I want to do 18 hours of work today, I want to write mm-hmm. a 10,000 word report or, you mm-hmm. know, 10,000 words in my book, then Modafinil mm-hmm. would be great. It's one task, extended periods mm-hmm. of time, like, oh, just get on it, get it down. But for like looking at the bigger picture, yeah, I, I imagine it's very similar to the tunnel vision. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, in terms of it, it increases the stress on your body. So it mm-hmm. will, I, I imagine, uh, take you out of that intuitive sphere
1: for sure. So I just want to come back to this thing you said earlier. Your health is your business because if you don't have health, you can't really enjoy the freedom and money uh, that you create in the business. Um, I think that's a bit radical for many entrepreneurs. I mean
0: that it's kind of it's. I do a lot of thinking. I like mm-hmm. thinking. Um, for me, life is about happiness, which is very very vague, but it's mm-hmm. also about kind of winning at life so kind of succeeding Mm. and again super super vague so there's there's a few aspects to that one is wealth earning large amounts of money and that's where a lot of people start and stop you know they just want to earn lots of money but they never think okay but why do i want to earn lots of money and for me the second thing is health i want to earn lots of money so i can support and look after my health so already they've taken away from because so wealth it can't be i can't max out on wealth because i'm going to focus something on wealth oh sorry on health and then there's the other things which is like uh you know traveling experiencing life spending time with people all these other things and and these things are an essential part of life and if someone would say you'd earn half as much but you could do all these things or earn twice as much and not be able to do them then to me it's a no brainer and I Which think way the, is
1: the no-brainer?
0: The, the no-brainer is to be able to experience life, live life, sleep mm. well, exercise every day, and do mm. everything else
1: mm.
0: and earn less money. But I think the, the catch is that actually, if you do all these other things, there is actually potential to then earn more money because you're more intuitive, you're more relaxed, you're more happy, you're, you're more creative. Um, so actually by focusing less on wealth accumulation you can potentially uh, accumulate more again this is my me going on feel and also for me it's non-negotiable right mm. we- wealth without focusing on the other things is is pointless for me personally
1: mm. so even if we offered you a million dollars you wouldn't take a bunch of modafidil eat fast food and just uh, not pay attention to your body stay i mean it- strapped to a couch
0: if 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 yeah if if you said look we'd guarantee you an income of as much money as you wanted but you had to work constantly Mm -hmm. you know 60 70 hour weeks for the rest of your life yeah it's not not i mean even for you know 30 years i'd have to do it and i'd have as much money as i wanted for my whole life i Mm -hmm. would i would say i would say no it's it's
1: no point weren't you in a job like that though highly paid job weren't you a a doctor you still are a doctor (laughs) right yeah yeah i mean mean, don't uh, doctors like abuse their bodies get don't get enough sleep make life and death decisions while impaired mentally and possibly physically
0: yeah 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 yeah. i mean so yeah i I graduated as a doctor in 2011 Mm. Uh, i worked full-time until 2015 so four Mm. years Mm. and then i quit the full-time job Mm -hmm. uh because i was basically on a conveyor belt of of kind of medical doctor life and I didn't like the way it was going. Um I didn't like I mean the big turning point was when I was sitting with one of my bosses in the operating theater and they were saying about how they were still kind of busy working weekends, doing night shifts and unhappy with their lives. And they were at the oh. apparent pinnacle. That was what I was striving oh. and fighting towards. And I just thought I mean oh. and I just thought ah I don't want to do this. This isn't me. So,
1: but they within, were going to be wealthy.
0: Yeah, they had. They yeah, they were on very very good money. I mean, I I would say that doctors are very very well paid, but the amount of effort and life that you commit to it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's not a job I would do if you want to
1: be wealthy. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, they're not going to be super wealthy, but they're well off, middle class, respected. Their parents are very proud of them
0: hundred percent hundred percent, but for me the the limitation i mean that's a great example the limitation on freedom and the limitation on health, you know another ten, fifteen maybe more years of night shifts mm-hmm. was was unacceptable, like yeah as you say, guaranteed income for the rest of my life, which you know incrementally increased um, it, it wasn't worth it at all, mm. so that was one of the reasons why I kind of struck out. Mm-hmm. on my own to start learning about business. Mm. Um, and I've, you know, I, I didn't know what I wanted for a long time and probably still don't, but I knew what I didn't want. Mm. Um, and I knew I didn't want to go back. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that's a good example of the kind of balance between money to a degree, respect and everything else versus uh, the bigger picture. Mm. happiness uh you know health everything else
1: we could say the s word at this point spirituality
0: oh yeah a hundred percent i mean it, yeah. it goes back what's, to what's
1: the meaning in the in the work and satisfaction
0: so i i would say that there is uh, a cohort of doctors a small group who finds deep deep meaning in what they do you know being a doctor is a vocation it's a very You know, you you decide you're going to be a doctor when you're like four then you're going to be a doctor your whole life. And and that's the the purpose of your life. And that's fine. I think in the modern world, we're moving away from that with kind of increased guidelines, increased uh, kind of rules and regulations, increased pressure, um, increased litigation, which means that whereas perhaps medicine used to be a vocation and used to be a highly respected, highly you know, a purpose for some people, it's moving away from that into, you know, just a paycheck. And actually, it's becoming potentially unpleasant to work in because of all these pressures. So there's this kind of concept of defensive medicine, where people are no longer using their clinical acumen, which we've spent however many years learning, and just doing it by the book, by the flowchart, patient comes in with x, are they y, Okay, yeah. Let's go here. Okay, now do they have this symptom? Okay, let's go here. Do they have this? Okay, let's go here. Now they need a CT. They need uh, these blood tests, and they need an X-ray. Um, I mean, I could write a flowchart and and kind of diagnose ninety percent of people in A and E. Mm. You
1: know, A and E is accident and emergency, right? Yeah, yeah. So accident emergency. That. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The ER in Amero speak. Yeah. Well, so, haven't people actually done that with uh, IBM's Watson AI program yeah. that can diagnose people better than humans?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is, to a degree, and especially as technology gets better, there's lower and lower thresholds for just using investigations like full-body CT scans. It's like there's pain in the tummy. There's a 1% chance we might miss something, so let's just do a scan. It makes more sense. And then you don't need to you know examine them you don't need to ask them this huge history because whereas before it would be we may do a scan now it's like we might as well do a scan and just skip everything else um i mean i think there'll always be a place for humans to kind of interact with patients because a huge part of medicine is the kind of psychosocial emotional side of it um but yeah i think Certain areas within medicine will move more and more towards AI. There'll be huge resistance from the medical profession for sure, but
1: but it's already happening in radiology, right? Don't yeah, a fair number of uh, X rays are read by computer now, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, certainly that's one of the examples where I've I've heard that that will probably be the first to go to to AI entirely.
1: Um, I mean, it already went to offshoring. Right, you can ship the X-ray image. Yeah. The I mean, X-rays these days—I discovered this recently when my father got an X-ray when he cracked some ribs, and I was expecting them to get a film out and you know develop it. No, it's all like an electric. <clears throat> I don't know what the device is, but it's a thing that can detect X-rays. Little kind of detector platey thing yeah, like yeah, you, yeah. and they put on you, and they—they still have the radioactive source, but now it's instant. Yep. You've got an Im- immediate picture of what's in there. Yeah. Um, and. I- Certainly and, the they, and they ship it off to India or somewhere else where the radiographers don't earn 200000 a year. They, they earn a little yeah. Less. A yeah. less. Yeah, I mean,
0: people. it's um, where, where I was working. They, we shipped it to Australia. So I, if it was mm. uh, out of hours, then there would be actually British doctors in Australia working the, the day shift over there. So getting paid less than night shifts. But it was the same doctors, just...
1: Mm. On that's the other clever. side of the
0: world, yeah, yeah,
1: it is. I think, and it, I think the doctors in India or the Philippines who've trained in radiography are probably just as good, you know. Or the the ones I've met have been.
0: Yeah, 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 and you know what? With further globalization and information exchange and whatever else, you know, everyone will kind of be up to similar standards, and computers will start integrating and spotting people and catching things that we miss, and that's the way it's going. I think.
1: What about, I forget what the technical term for this is, but where you, you, the surgeon, are in wherever, you know, Thailand or Serbia or wherever, and your patient is in Los Angeles and you do it remotely, you know, with a little robot at the other end, cutting the yeah. holes in the patient.
0: I mean, robotic surgery is a thing already. Uh, usually the surgeons are local, usually, but... There's no reason as connections get better and whatever else. um, And it becomes more acceptable that they, they shouldn't be anywhere in the world.
1: Wow. And of course, for the for the regular kind of GP interaction, apart from actually being able to touch the patient, I'd like to come back to that social psychological aspect. But the kind of logic tree you were talking about, that could be done from anywhere over a video call.
0: Yeah, so that's something that we're seeing more and more of is um, video consultations, video calls. Um, I mean, even my local practice, my ex local practice in Bristol where I was, was starting to do video consultations. Phone consultations have been a thing for a long time.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: the one kind of speed bump, and it's only going to be a speed bump, is uh, litigation. So if someone misses do litigation
1: over video calls.
0: No, 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 no. I mean, if someone misses something over a phone call, then they would mm. say, "Well, why didn't you see the patient?" You know, mm. the gold standard is to see the patient. You should have seen the patient, and then that will push things back. But it's inevitable that it will mm-hmm. it will go forwards for sure. Mm.
1: I mean, with if you look at where the way video games have gone, multiplayer video games is a totally immersive experience. And they even have those, what do they call them, tactile gloves or haptic Mm. things. You could have, you could be the doctor and you could have this pair of gloves and and there could be robot gloves at the other end, touching the patient, sticking the finger where the sun doesn't shine, you know, to detect prostate enlargement. You you could totally do the whole thing remotely.
0: You know, it won't be long before Uh. my ring just transmits all my information to the clouds and the doctor can just log into it and, and access all my vitals.
1: Yeah. Um, And then they'll say, oh, yeah, Emil's on the verge of developing diabetes or whatever. We need to sell electric shock with Pavlov. So he doesn't reach for another another whatever it is, cookie or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's the way it's going. It's the way it's going. Um, And because of the strain on the system, you know, even the medical kind of institutions are looking for ways to scale effectively. Mm. um there's kind of this cohort of i'm using that word a lot today cohorts i like it um there's this like group of uh, physicians assistants they're called which are doing what doctors used to do and now there's not enough of us so they're you know bringing in uh, why aren't there uh,
1: enough doctors i thought with uh, the nhs in england you know the 65 million people live in england and you told me before we started recording there's 1.7 million people working in the nhs of which i've got to guess at least a tenth are doctors
0: yeah i mean so there's two aspects to that one is that there's increasing demand and that's for two oh. reasons one is that people are getting sicker with more chronic disease and two is society's expectations are increasing there there seems to be and this is just an observation a removal of personal responsibility and expecting other the government or whatever to fix the problem. Government and then the, the NHS, the but health
1: it's service. 70% of the diseases, you said, are, are caused by the own person's lifestyle, isn't that a little ridiculous?
0: Yeah, caused or influenced for sure. And, and, and yes, it is. But this is kind of the health divide I'm talking about. I mean, mm. essentially, people have the power to improve their health I- infinitely. And with the internet, the knowledge, the information to do it. So there's something else going on. And, and as it, you know, there's kind of a, um, the, the, I mean, I don't know what it is. I don't know what the reason.
1: Some of it is that people are trained from birth to rely on the government or other or their employer to be responsible and, you know, to be sheeple yeah. as the phrase goes. And that yeah. rolls over into health. But percent instead, instead of saying I create my own health, it's like, no, no, it was someone else's fault. Let me sue them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or or yeah. And that, that's or, the again where the kind of um, telephone consultations will slow up because people will be mm-hmm. looking for, for gaps. Um and, and the other the other big reason that there's not enough doctors is there's a bit of an exodus of uh, doctors from I mean, the UK, I can't speak for any other countries, but with worse where are they conditions
1: ex- exiting to
0: um, either as a, you know, it used to be that I used to go to Australia or New Zealand where the lifestyle mm-hmm. is, is much, much better. Um, or just leaving, just leaving the medical profession, doing their five or six year degrees. And then like, like what I did and just, just leaving.
1: And in your case, you've started your own co- medical coaching thing for the, for the other other cohort, to use your fave word of the day, of biohackers, of entrepreneur you help entrepreneurs who want to be extreme, extremely healthy, so they can be happier and you know run their business better, to be you know even more effective and healthy.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say it's it's not it's not even medical coaching. I mean, I use my medical knowledge for sure, but mm-hmm. it's all lifestyle intervention. Um, Mm. you know a lot of people have said do you want to maintain your medical license to be able to prescribe things and i said no i don't want to prescribe things the whole point is i don't want to prescribe things Mm
1: -hmm. you know and i'm sure you can you can always refer them to a doctor who could prescribe if they really needed a drug
0: exactly and that's that's what i do because i don't have jurisdiction all over the world anyway and most of my clients 90 percent of them are out of the uk anyway Um, and you know what, I don't even focus on the biohacking side. I focus on, you know, the, the basics and just hammer them home and build them into a sustainable lifestyle. So it's not even, Mm -hmm. you know, the kind of the, the biohacking kind of super fine tuning end of the spectrum. It's just, you know, emphasizing and implementing exercise, nutrition, sleep, stress management, um, and just Mm -hmm. going from whatever, wherever the person is to, integrating this into their lifestyle so that it becomes a habit. It becomes
1: a choice. Um, Possibly with the addition of electric shocks.
0: I mean, yeah, this, this, so this kind of thing would definitely be a a potential tool for Mm -hmm. the kind of the, the changing process. So as we kind of touched upon earlier, there's the initial phase where people are kind of like bombarded with, you know, the monkeys in the car and the loud music. Mm -hmm. And during that phase, I believe that you need to use structures and mm-hmm. kind of uh, more strict plans to get people to to their goal, start removing monkeys from the car. And then mm-hmm. as people start to progress towards their goal, they can start to remove the crutches and the helps
1: mm-hmm.
0: and become more and more intuitive. And certainly mm-hmm. the end goal is to become entirely intuitive. But that, in my experience, takes three, four, five, six years Mm. Um, and the starting point is usually a very structured approach and then you slowly remove. So this would be something that you would use initially to Mm -hmm. kind of start to help with certain habits.
1: And then it could be just, could be just journaling how you're doing. Did you do your exercise today? Did you, you know, I use a thing called the light spreadsheet. I don't know if you've come across that, but it's just a simple spreadsheet with a yes, no. Did you exercise? Did you go to bed on your, by your bedtime goal and blah, blah, blah. And it's got a formula in the spreadsheet that turns green. If you put a yes in there and it goes red, if you put a no and it sounds very simple, but psychologically it's very motivating. to See a row of green um, things for your habit that you're keeping up with things, particularly if you share it with other people, you get social reward or pressure on on it. Um, I mean,
0: I I certainly use the spreadsheets for, for my clients. We share our sheets, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, that's updated and that tracks everything from nutrition to exercise, to moods, to happiness, to sleep. Mm. Um, so that, as you say, using any of the tricks or tips, like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the, the feeling good of, of seeing things, kind of seeing the data that definitely mm-hmm. helps. And then the accountability to me is a huge, mm-hmm. huge part of it.
1: Um, well, so, yeah. and, and being able to see patterns that, Oh, if I, if I miss good sleep for so many days, you know, two days in a row, my mood's gone down, number of productive ads I had. Yeah. You know, yeah. you might even write down notes saying, Oh, I had an argument with the uh, yeah. co founder or whatever. Yeah. Because I think the ability to have high uh, uh, EQ, you know, emotional intelligence, is dependent on those basics of food, exercise, sleep, touch, um, hydration. All, all yeah, for sure. Good for sure. Things. It's. Um, So I I, I want to ask you an awkward question, but I'm not sure if I should ask it, is it?
0: I should probably go for it.
1: So, and you can either apply this to yourself or you can take it theoretically, depending on how transparent you care to be. But when you were practicing as traditional Western doctor, you know, how much were you increasing people's health versus now you're this health coach person? That's an amazing um, question. I love it. Yeah. Well, I, I'll, I'll, you answer that one, and I'll give you the more raw version of the question. So,
0: I mean, as a doctor, I was very lucky. Uh, the first couple of years, I was very much, as most junior doctors are, um, wards kind of running around, doing paperwork, doing a little odd jobs. So I wasn't helping health particularly. I was just propping up the system. And then the second two years, I worked as an anesthetist. So, oh my God. Uh, you know, I love that aspect because I love the pharmacology and all the medications we were using. And for that, we were uh, facilitating surgery operations. So taking mm. people's appendixes out, things like that. So I think in that regard, uh, we were again helping people. Um, and then over the last four years, I've been working in the accident and emergency department. And there, there's at least uh, an element of, you know, people in a trauma
1: we can Direct really, correlation. Really you can directly see that you stopped their bleeding, you calmed their shock. They they are now alive help. versus dead. You can
0: help there, but there were so many people who came in with a heart attack, and you give oh. them some aspirin, and you say mm-hmm. oh, this will thin the blood, and then they'll go off, and then they'll come back with another heart attack because they didn't stop smoking, they didn't start exercising, they didn't, you know, start cha- they didn't change their lifestyle. So in that case, we were putting band aids on on problems mm-hmm. like gushing blood and we're putting a band-aid on it and being like, yep, yeah, that'll do. Cause mm-hmm. that's all we can do. We're under pressure. There's nothing, you know, you, you need to go home with that person and kind of sit with them and, and coach them and, mm-hmm. you know, really push all the right motivational buttons, which mm-hmm. there's no resources to do that.
1: Mm. And then with your, uh, you know, health coaching clients, uh, do they, uh, you know, are they healthier or?
0: yeah for sure
1: i mean so my how, you measure, how do they measure that or how do you measure that so we use um
0: adjuncts for for health um i mean what, I, what's I, that? W- say that word again a- adjuncts so
1: what's, what's adjuncts
0: so uh, it's like health is quite a nebulous kind mm-hmm. of non-specific term Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I tra- we track happiness because ultimately mm-hmm. happiness is, is the end goal. Um, so I, I make sure that that is something that we, we at least track. But then if people are losing excess body fat, if blood markers are improving, if they're kind of uh, habitually doing things which are known by the evidence, by the sort of science to improve health, like regularly exercising, sleeping seven to nine hours a night, uh, their stress, their fatigue, is down. If all of these things are improving, then I'm confident that, uh, we're improving their health. Uh, I say adjuncts because, you know, we, we track fat loss or weight loss that doesn't always improve health. So I don't want to say that, you know, that's fat it's loss. correlated. It's, it's correlated. It's correlated. Exactly. Uh, you know, you, you can infer that certain people's health might improve if they mm-hmm. drop some body fat.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be sort of like in a business, you might say, well, the, the more re, you know, revenue that comes into the business, the chances are it's probably a healthier business. Might not be because it might be losing money yeah. on every sale, but yeah, it, it's a correlated thing. And, and similarly, at the lower end, you know, are the staff happy in the business? Yes. You know, usually successful businesses have happy staff. Yeah. Um, and
0: and I, I suppose at a higher level. Is the person who's running the business happy? Yes. Or why, why are they running the business?
1: You know I think on a philosophical level, the person who owns the business holds the energetic space for the business to be successful. And that's where a lot of people who start businesses often when they first do a business fall down because they don't they aren't able to hold the space for all these other you know staff members and customers and vendors to be all working together and going in the same direction in the bus- the car of the business. You know? it's, it's quite yep. a tricky role. Not yeah. Pretty... Anyway, let me, let me ask you the uh, more raw question. And sorry, if I upset you ahead of time, but like how many of your health coaching clients have died under your care versus how many of your Western doctor clients died under your care, just as a rough, Measure as to whether this stuff actually works.
0: I mean, none of my coaching clients have died um. as of yet. None. Which I mean, I, I I mean, it's a good thing. I don't know whether it's impressive or not. I don't tend to do that anything particularly crazy. Um, I mean, it's so tough to say as a doctor again because mm-hmm. of the areas I've
1: worked in. Mm-hmm. Um, well, A and E is quite. You know, you're bound to lose some people there. Uh, there were deaths for sure. 100 percent for sure and
0: uh, a larger proportion of those will be related to lifestyle Mm -hmm. um though usually by the time they get to us in in the emergency Mm. room you know the the interventions we're carrying out are resuscitation as opposed to anything more than that or attempted resuscitation at least they've been
1: driving their car for so many years with the monkeys in the car and the music turned up and the gps in the trunk not listening to their own health that Yep. They'd already and driven like off the freeway and crashed the car. Yeah, for sure. So the best you can do is bring in the tow truck and try and get them back on the freeway. Try. Yeah. I mean, more often than not, uh, you know,
0: contrary to the movies, uh, resuscitation doesn't doesn't work hugely well. Really? Really, really. I, I don't know the numbers, but it's it's less than 10 mm. percent.
1: No. Um, Why do we do
0: it then? 10% still pretty
1: good. Yeah. I guess if you're one of the resuscitees or whatever the correct yeah. technical term is, you probably want to take that 10%. So it's better yeah. to, 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 intervene earlier while we're, before they've careened off the freeway and having a crash to kind of say, Hey, you're getting a little dozy driving the car and there's a lot of noise in here. Maybe we should get the GPS back in the actual, you know, cockpit yeah. of the car, not in the trunk. Yeah. Listen yeah. to our intuition.
0: I mean, by the time people have, as you say, careened off, you know, they've effectively, they've died. There has been something Mm -hmm. significant enough Mm -hmm. that happened for them to die. And then Mm -hmm. we will attempt to resuscitate in the the emergency room. But I mean, they've they've died once of whatever, you know, whatever's happened up until that point. More often than Mm -hmm. not, lifestyle-related things, heart attacks, things like that. So even if they are resuscitated, they then have to drastically make a change um, otherwise, it's just going to happen again. Um, well, that's I mean,
1: often. I, I've had several friends, girlfriends, whatever, with cancer, and um, the ones who've survived made extreme lifestyle changes. They got rid of the stress, or they, you know, yeah. removed negative people from life, or whatever the, the message was from their body, uh, or they removed self-critical thoughts, perhaps. You know, you, you, And I, I had a friend recently; she had uh, throat, tongue cancer. And she went on this juicing diet and she was exercising and meditating. I mean, she had the Western thing. They clipped part of a tongue out that had the growth on it, but she really did change her lifestyle. And yeah, now she's cancer free. I as mean, you know, not can, cancer, just cancer free just means they haven't detected it recently. But Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. I mean, cancer is one of those funny ones where there's a lot of, external factors mm. but there is a lot of uh lifestyle factors as well and mm-hmm. um, either within kind of healing from it curing it or preventing it in the first place and and the word cancer is very it's a bit of a misnomer because there's every single oh. cancer is totally different you can't about 200
1: them of them right or thereabouts oh. more
0: more more more, more. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 easily mm. um and and certain, things which are defined as cancer are not uh, an issue, whereas certain things are horrendous. Um, mm. So, you know, clumping them all together is, is a bit of a misnomer, but generally speaking, if if you can, then there is a uh, positive lifestyle, especially mindset, things like that will definitely help.
1: Mm. Um, to I mean, that's been scientifically proved. This isn't just the woo woo in us saying, oh, it'd be, have some positive thoughts, do you good. It, they've actually done clinical style trials on breast cancer victims where they did positive imaging or, or the other thing, you mentioned positive thinking, but also social support, you know, where they go in a support group for cancer victims. Yeah, and yeah. they, they uh, statistically live longer, you know, twice yeah. as long or whatever than the people in yeah, the control for sure. group. That's very, very Which uh, is mind
0: blowing. Yeah. Uh, it's mind-blowing, but also if you kind of look at it, the body is incredible at healing itself. The body has all the mechanisms for fighting Well, isn't cancer. that
1: how all healing really occurs? The medical intervention is just to give you the time and energy yes. to be able to heal yourself. Exactly.
0: I mean, intensive care, which people kind of think of as the, you know, the, the cavalry within medicine, mm. they just support the body while the mm-hmm. body heals itself you know we give antibiotics and various bits but essentially it's breathing for the body you know keeping Mm -hmm. the blood pressure Mm -hmm. adequate for the body and the body just
1: does its thing and heals itself Mm -hmm. or it or it doesn't it's kind of a miracle really that bodies can heal themselves
0: if allowed to for Mm -hmm. sure and and that's why i was so passionate about uh allowing and optimizing that that Mm -hmm. process and optimizing health and optimizing i mean yeah, it's just so fundamental to everything.
1: I have a personal woo-woo question for you, if it's okay to ask it. Of course. Do you, do you talk to your body parts at all or tell them you love them or listen to them? Or? Not, uh, not consciously.
0: No. Mm.
1: Or, or when they're sick, if you have a, you know, bit of your body that's a bit under the weather, do you have a direct energy to it? or?
0: Uh, yeah. So, it? Directing energy and focusing it on and kind of using healing Mm. meditation and healing thoughts Mm -hmm. um, is is definitely a a thing for sure. Positive affirmations, um, controlling negative thoughts about it, Mm -hmm. all super, super powerful. Mm. Um, Yeah, uh, yeah,
1: 100%. See, I do that every day. I, I just lie in bed and meditate and I send positive, you know, I love you or other positive energy to every part of my body as a kind of preventative um, mechanism and, and listen to any bits that hurt or seem off in some way. So I can figure yeah. out what's going on.
0: Even, you know, normal meditation is is good for that with body scans and things like that. Mm. You can start to identify areas where there are a tension or, bad feelings or whatever and even Mm -hmm. just that that identifying it is is a huge step towards Mm -hmm. uh sending positive energy and and, Mm -hmm. uh, working out what's going on underlying
1: are you familiar at all with bruce lipton who wrote biology of belief or no he's a doctor he's also a scientist and he's also woo -woo. but he did. He looked into the scientific study of of do beliefs actually affect your cellular health, and mm. um, you know, there's evidence that our beliefs do affect our cells. Um, you know, through epi- through epigenetics, which is you know the meta level above DNA, as I'm sure you know. Um, I mean, might get
0: my go-to book for this was uh mind over medicine by uh lisa rankin also an md
1: mind i'm writing that into the show notes yeah yeah mind over medicine what did that have to say for you um
0: so she was basically a medical doctor who was kind of in the system got ground up, got spat out. Uh, what do you mean ground up,
1: spat out? Is that what totally. the medical system does to doctors and other medical staff like nurses or nurse practitioners?
0: Oh, it's infinitely worse for nurses. Infinitely worse. Really? Why? Um, I mean, nurses generally have more difficult jobs.
1: They work longer hours and they don't get paid as well as doctors. Longer and just, hours than doctors, but doctors work like really long hours, particularly if they're interns, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, straight off nurses tend to do 12, 12 and a half hour shifts, um, which is just a very, very long time to be focused and to work. Um, I mean, that, that might not be universal, but certainly they, mm. they tend to work a hell of a lot. And uh, they're just a, the kind of community the medical community, the doctors are very much more supportive of each other. Mm. Whereas my experience of the nursing culture and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a lot more of a blame culture and a lot more of a, mm. that there's a lot, there's a lot less support within the nursing culture versus the, the medical culture, which altogether with, with less pay, more stress, less support leads to more
1: issues. Mm. coming back to this idea that your mental state affects your health which those two books show and a lot of scientific studies show what what's the effect of blame or guilt or shame on someone's health i mean absolutely awful from a you know
0: from a sort of primary point of view is in that will instill negative emotions, negative thought patterns, increase stress, but also then those primary issues will cause secondary issues like poor sleep, decrease willpower to exercise, increased chance of eating uh, crap foods, which will kind of then loop into more negative thoughts, more negative feelings you know people might gain weight and lose confidence, you know feel less tor- you know less emotional intelligence less, tolerance which then feeds back into less sleep less exercise so it's just a spiral of 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 badness you know um yeah it's not good
1: well it kind of makes me wonder whether our school system is healthy
0: Uh, yeah that's another, another whole can of worms um education and school systems in general i mean the, uh, you know i've not been in the school system for a while now but there's different ways of teaching and if they are based on uh blame and shame then yeah i would say that that's not that's not the way to do it for sure especially then, these,
1: yeah go ahead
0: i was just gonna say especially these days where uh traditional education is less relevant to the modern world um, you know the, the the skills which make money in the modern world are associated with technology, digital marketing, whatever else, and those aren't really taught in school. Whereas you're learning the kind of the traditional subjects, which you know aren't hugely relevant. Uh, but as I said, that's a can of worms. That's a whole
1: a whole other podcast episode. But I going yeah. to take that thought one step further and just think about businesses you've worked in or your own business, so people listening. Are, is, a, is your business a healthy place for you and your staff or does it contain blame, shame and guilt and other negative emotions swirling around?
0: Yeah, that's a very, very valid question. Um, yeah. And then as entrepreneurs, we're in a position to control that culture Mm-hmm. and nurture a positive culture so it's a responsibility for
1: sure i think that's a big responsibility not only are we responsible for you know our own happiness our own profits our own health but now we've got staff members customers vendors and we're co-creating with them their happiness wealth and health which yeah. at, at the extreme end could mean if, if you have a whole bunch of negative culture and emotions you could be killing the people associated with your business
0: yeah for sure and i mean that's that's you can take that to a greater level than just business but as a person if you're exuding mm-hmm. negative vibes for a mm-hmm. better word then you are negatively affecting the people around you
1: um, well, let's take it to the next level what, what's the next level you didn't want to go to No,
0: no, no. I mean, you know, so So, as a business owner, then, yeah, you're affecting your clients and your staff. But even just as a human, if you're, you know, expressing negative energy and and blaming and shaming and, you know, whatever else, then then you're affecting the people around you, whether they're associated with uh, with you through business or just because of, you know, vicinity. Mm. So like your family.
1: Exactly. your, your, Your kids. Your even interactions
0: in the, you know, in the shops yeah yeah 100 percent. you you can control i mean i know actions. you're not
1: i know you do medicine for humans but does this same stuff work in pets as well if the owner isn't f- full of negativity their pet will pick up diseases
0: I, I mean it's not my area but i would say so mm. especially domesticated animals probably dogs more than more than mm-hmm. cats, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I would say that they they can they can sense that kind of stuff.
1: Oh, absolutely, they sense it. I mean, uh, it's dogs are very psychically. You know, I, I'll just briefly mention this experiment that blew my mind in this regard. They they had a computer randomly pick a, a time to set off a pager where someone who had been sent away from the home, away from their dog, would start driving back. And it was double blind. They didn't know what time they were going to get paged by this computer. The dog had no clue when the owner was going to start coming back. They had a video camera on the person. There were no other humans in the house. The minute the person started driving back towards the home, the dog acted differently. So somehow they knew that something was happening. They must have had some psychic link to their owner. which is incredible. It, it's amazing. And certainly, you know, I think anyone who's ever interacted with a dog, dogs can be very uh, empathetic and, you know, loving and, and obviously connected with their owner. So, um, but yeah, let me take that thought about the, the idea that the, the, the thoughts we have in our own head, which we haven't cleaned up through meditation or exercise or, you know, whatever, the thing, sleeping enough or whatever, not only affect the people around us, not businesses, uh, and ourselves our own health but how does what does that say about modern society where most advertising is very negative and and we talk about the rat race right which doesn't sound particularly happy and and therapeutic it sounds like that chewing up and spitting out you were talking about earlier
0: yeah i mean it's it's there's lots of amazing beautiful things in the modern world but there's a lot of shit out there. Pardon my French. And and that's, you know, we, we mentioned it perhaps earlier or before we started, but that's why I kind of tend to avoid consuming the modern world as much as possible in the form of news, social media, negative people. Yeah. I mean, for me,
1: well, they call it the click economy that I, I learned that recently when I read, um, a book in the Forge Book Club, um, not Win Bigly, but um, something, it was Ryan Halliday's book about PR. Like everything I, I'm saying is lying or something like that. I'll find the exact title and stick it in the show notes. But um, basically news, papers, news sites, TV news works on how much attention they can grab. And for many humans, negative emotions is what grabs their attention and so they fill news with negativity. Yeah. And so yeah. even though when you live when you actually stop consuming that corporate news and or government news, you know. Um you notice that in your everyday life most things are positive and, and things are pretty good. But that's not yeah. what the news focuses on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's an observation that I had a long time ago, but I never associated it with a negative impact. And then I read more and more and observed and realized that I didn't need to know all the shit that was happening in the world, let alone the curated stuff that was happening because we weren't getting a full picture. We were getting a curated version. Um, And not only was that stacked in the negative sort of area, but also it was stacked according
1: to political whatever else. Um, There's always some, well, his book is about how to manipulate the news to get PR for your own business on one hand, but also to realize 95% of what you read in the news has been manipulated by someone to put it yeah. there, which is yeah. either a company trying to push something or an association trying to push their political views and lobbying or a government trying to change public opinion by putting things that spinning things a certain way. Yeah. Um,
0: and that's the subtle, that's the subtle end. And then when you get to marketing, then it just becomes, um, you know, it goes out of control. I mean, yeah, especially with uh, you know, as, as Facebook ads and things are getting more sophisticated, data collection is getting more sophisticated, the power to manipulate is becoming more and more uh, of a thing.
1: It is. Um, it's quite. Disturbing. So I want to take this thought one step further. Are you okay to come into the dark side one further step or are you? Always. Always. Yeah. So what does this say for our current political system, which is also full of negativity, the blame game, trying to drag down the opposition?
0: I mean, it's a game and the politicians are playing it. And is that bad
1: that... for their health, do you think?
0: I think it's bad for everyone's health. Um, it, it's kind of, I mean, I, I don't, as you know, as we sort of touched upon, I don't get involved in in the politics and, and that kind of stuff. Um, it's not an area which I want to spend bandwidth on, but, um, yeah, the, the tactics and things people are using kind of then the other side needs to use to keep up or to match. And then it just becomes an arms race to the bottom. Um, which I think they've succeeded
1: in reaching the bottom, haven't they? More or less. I, 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 <laughs> I wouldn't be so sure. Oh, okay, there's further to go. Always. I mean, what if we had a society and a political structure and system that was positively based and supported people's happiness and health?
0: I mean, that would be great. Uh, I, I don't know how that would be built I don't know that, how that would be constructed but when everyone is is shooting towards something like that all it takes is one person to go the other way gain an advantage and then someone mm. else needs to match them and then it'll all just devolve um, I'm sure there's an analogy about uh, larks and pigeons uh, which is which talks about this as long as there, there has to you'll reach a balance where no one gains the upper hand because everyone is is doing what they need to do and then you'll reach an equilibrium. If it goes too far either way, then someone will gain an advantage. So this is the equilibrium, I believe.
1: Mm. So uh, what would it take to reach a new equilibrium where we had a society that was happy and healthy and wealthy? Uh, People were self-fulfilled and spiritually happy. I mean, the first step would be
0: People taking personal responsibility for mm-hmm. themselves and harnessing the amazing parts of the world, like the infinite knowledge on the internet, the infinite ability to acquire, you know, wealth in this capitalist society, um, and you know the freedom that we have these days to, to to do what they need to do, to do what they want to do, to achieve those things for themselves and those around them.
1: So let's just walk this thought back to our own businesses because basically our, our entrepreneurial business is a microcosm of society. It's our own little personal fiefdom yes. or society. What does that mean for how we create our businesses?
0: Well, I think I think entrepreneurs are a great example of people who are doing exactly that. They're taking personal responsibility for themselves and their lives and they are doing what they need to do to achieve what they want to achieve um you know regardless of of politics you know politics there's always going to be people saying oh this happened this is why i failed this is why i can't run a business this is why you know the excuses are always possible but then there's there's entrepreneurs for example who take the responsibility and say i can either make excuses or i can make solutions Um, and as long as you start doing that then you can almost become immune to uh, to that kind of thing especially in the modern world where information is is free and everywhere you know back in the back in the day whenever that was when before the internet knowledge was in libraries or behind you know in lab labs and, and professors and that's where knowledge was kept and you couldn't access it unless you had standing or money or whatever these days i mean there's a percent the vast majority of Actually, I don't know the the proportion of people with the internet, but the internet is becoming more and more accessible, basically.
1: It's uh, several billions. Isn't it four billion people have internet access worldwide out of seven? So it's more than half. And you've got to remember yeah. about half the people on the planet only earn about $2 a day or something. So, Yeah. You know. But it, we're getting to the point where pretty much everyone is, is on the internet and it, and it affects their lives in positive ways. Um. You know I read about uh, fishermen in some African country and now they have internet access on their phone and it, I don't think it was even internet I think it was simple phone where you could text people and they could decide wh- where to take you know which port to take the fish that has the better price so they can make more money you know? for example
0: I mean, there's huge potential for positivity and growth on the internet however, mm. uh, I believe that the vast majority of people use it for uh cat memes and social media uh to kind of mm-hmm. blow their lives away mm. which so is i like,
1: i just want to take this you mentioned entrepreneurs making themselves healthy and happy i just want to put that a bit bigger That say if you have staff if you have customers if you have vendors and i think everyone listening as an entrepreneur has other people involved in one of those three roles in their business and i'll throw investor into some people have investors But how the decisions we make about our businesses and how we run them and the culture we choose to have for them affect the negativity or positivity in those people affects everyone's health, wealth, happiness, spiritual satisfaction. So I think we have an enormous opportunity as entrepreneurs to create something you know, bigger than ourselves and, and shift the world to a positive place. You know, maybe we can't change the political system today, but sure as heck we can change how we run our own business.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: For sure. One, one book I just want to mention related to, to that positivity. I'm reading a new book by Marie Folio. I don't know if you, you know her or not. She's more a woman's entrepreneur thing. She, she has a business called B-School. It's like an online training for digital marketing. Um, and she's been on Oprah and what have you. Anyway, she has a book called Everything is Figur- Figurable Outable, saying that no matter how hard the problem, there's always a way to get a solution. Um, yes, I love that. Yeah, I recommend it. It's a very practical and positive book. So uh, anything else you want to share about intuitive health? Because I'm feeling an energy slump in the interviewee, i.e. you. <laughs> because we have been talking for a while. We have, that's yes. Not, no, that's, that's no negative want on you. I'm just sensitive to the energy of the interview. Um,
0: I mean, yes. So regarding intuitive health, it's definitely the ideal. It's definitely the goal. Um, but don't run before you can walk. Basically, use tools to guide you in the right direction um and don't rush to get rid of them too mm-hmm. early basically so if if you do need to use the pavlock or an aura ring or you know my fitness pal to track your intake then the first priority is uh gaining health and then you can work about really listening for the intricacies you can start doing the big sweeping changes getting more sleep we know that's going to help getting exercise we know that's going to help eating better food etc cetera, etc cetera. start with these things however you need to d- it and then you can start really listening and and fine-tuning but you know don't don't run before you can walk for sure.
1: Cool so a couple more questions and then I want you to share how people can reach you Uh, and these are questions I ask all my guests first of all one is why are you proud to use your business intuition?
0: Uh, So I'm proud because it's gotten to me where to where I am now despite difficulties and setbacks and everyone has experienced difficulties and setbacks, but I'm proud that I've uh, surmounted and and overcome the ones that have been put in front of me. And I'm sure there's going to be infinite more in front of me, which I'm looking forward to, uh, to overcoming. And certainly when I started out, this was despite the vast majority of people around me being against what I was doing, leaving the medical profession to start a business um so i you know you I feel were advised that that was,
1: against leaving the medical profession
0: oh by everyone by all <laughs> the by by everyone who who my that current uh group who i was kind of spending most of my time with other medical professionals family uh friends at the time not all friends but uh, you know most friends at the time um so yeah it was i was like no i definitely need to do this i don't know how but i need to do this
1: All right. Second question, which is obviously we both share the belief that business intuition is really important to make your business healthy, happy, wealthy, spiritually significant, um, meaningful. But not everyone is comfortable openly using their intuition in their business. So my question to you is, what would it take to make business intuition more openly used this year? That's a very,
0: very good and interesting question. Um, From my angle, I would say start to work towards your health. And as you start to remove the noise from your life, then your intuition will come out. And if you're uncomfortable with using it for your business, then start to use it for your health. Um, And as you build up confidence from there, then you can start to apply it in other areas of your life Um, because your body is very wise and
1: tells you a lot of good things. Indeed it is. And it can even give you ideas about your own business. So if folks want to find you online when they're not trolling through social media or reading negative news, that was a joke for listeners. Um, how should they do that? Yes. Um, and also because I'm going to
0: give you a social media handle, so you can scroll through Ooh. mine. Um, no. So my website is www.doctor, that's D-O-C-T-O-R, emil.com, com, And my social um, and media. For
1: people who can't spell emil, it's E-M-I-L. Yes. E-M-I-L. Um, for people who are dyslexic like me. Yes. <laughs> Um, And then
0: on Facebook and Instagram, it's just forward slash project Goliath. So project as project and then Goliath, G-O-L-I-A-T-H on both Instagram and Facebook.
1: Fabulous. Well, we'll put those links in the show notes together with your nutritional supplement business and your uh, high intensity functional training business. So we can all study that. And thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome. Get strategies and show notes at intuitiveleadershipmastery.com. What would it take to see you here next time on
0: the intuitive leadership mastery podcast?